$5,000. That's the average amount of money people in the U.S. are now spending on gas in a year. Five grand. That's crazy. If you drive, you have to download Upside, the free app that gives you cash back every time you get gas. That's right. You can earn real cash back with Upside just by buying the gas you're already buying. You can literally start earning cash back today. I use Upside every time I fill up, and I've already made around two, $300. You're putting gas in your car anyway. Why not get real cash back? If you like free money, download Upside. I'm saving the cash I earn from using Upside to help pay for a vacation later this year. Download the free Upside app now to earn cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code SAVE to get an extra 25 cents per gallon on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code SAVE for a 25 cents per gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code SAVE for a 25 cents per gallon bonus. The other thing it exposes about the bankers, which is very realistic, is they're completely relaxed about talking about their their pay, their money. And Paul Bettany mm. does this on the top of the building. The two yeah, young guys are very angry about him. Actually, I'm not surprised. So he's earning two million, and he explains <laughs> to them why he has no money. Hello and welcome to this bonus episode of the Aspects of History Film Club and our movie is Margin Call, directed by JC Chandor and released in 2011. Joining me is friend of the show and acclaimed director Tim Hewitt. Margin Call is a fantastic film that's a claustrophobic thriller and is the most realistic I've seen of the 2008 financial crash movies. With a stellar cast and great script, I'd highly recommend you check it out. It's currently on Amazon Prime here in the UK. In other news, Aspects of History is now on Substack, So do sign up if you want to get two free articles in your inbox per month. Link is in the show notes. Coming up on the pod, I'm speaking with Sir Christopher Clarke on the Year of Revolution, plus plenty more. But until then, I'll hand you over to me talking with Tim Hewitt on Margin Call. Welcome back, Tim, to the Aspects of History Film Club. And... Today, we are following on our 2008 financial crash extravaganza with... A celebration. A celebration of the 2008 financial crash, 15th anniversary. We've got the bunting out here because it was such a wonderful event. <laughs> and it is the margin call is what we're going to be uh, yeah. chatting about today. Margin call directed by J.C. Chandor. Mm-hmm. Uh, in made... his directorial debut. Ah, yeah, I, I don't know if I've... Uh, have I seen anything else he's made? He made a very good film called All Is Lost. It's, that was his second film, which is an actually a, a, an excellent film with Robert Redford. And Robert yeah, Redford... Yeah, I saw that. It's is, really good. Yeah, it's basically Robert Redford and a boat. Um, yeah, he doesn't say a word for the whole film. He says... Uh, he says oh, damn, word. my boat sinking. Uh, yeah, but he says it it's more succinctly, and the word begins with F and ends in K. Is that his only and, line? And that's, the, I think, the only line he has in in the film. Um, so the script, when... the script was like 30 pages long because there's no dialogue. See the script, and he looks at this, and he's got a pile of scripts because he's Robert Redford. Oh, yeah. And he, or he picks did, this one he? up, hmm. and, it's, and Robert Redford's 80-odd now, isn't he? Hmm. Yeah, I think he's retired now. Oh, okay. So he looks at it and he probably thinks, oh, I only have to say one word. Yeah, but the only problem is, is you've got to spend the entire film on a yacht 
on the open sea. Is that where they um, filmed it? I think so. Not in but a studio. The point, of course, is is that JC Chandler, that was JC Chandler's second film. So Margin Call was his first film. Yes. Margin Call. Margin Call. So margin Call. Yeah, Margin Call. So again, just like our earlier episode, the one on the film club before this on the big shorts listeners do listen to that that's the big short that's a little bit more light-hearted this is a bit more serious Mm. and i would definitely argue more realistic and this is set over a sort of 24 hour 36 hour period in an investment bank in new york it's not stated what the name of the firm is but Mm. it's it's basically it's lehman brothers and this is set around August 2008. I think it was September 2008, actually, when Lehman Brothers went bust. And as I mentioned in the earlier episode on The Big Short, 2008 financial crash has had massive repercussions. And some of which we're still dealing with today in this country, you could argue Brexit resulted from the crash. And so this film deals with this investment bank filled with people who are played by there are many there's great actors. We haven't mentioned the actors. Paul Bettany plays a sort of British head of a trading desk. He manages Stanley Tucci, who is a risk officer who is fired early on in the film. Also, you've got Kevin Spacey plays Paul Petney's boss. You've got Demi Moore, who plays the head of risk for the firm. She's excellent in it. And then you've got Jeremy Irons, who plays the head of the firm, the CEO, who's based on Dick Folds, the head of Lehman Brothers. So much so, I think the name of his in this film is John Tould. So it rhymes slightly. Mm. And then there are a couple of young guys who play the sort of analysts, one of whom exposes the positions that Lehman Brothers has exposed itself to in the subprime mortgage market. Well, one being Zachary Quinto, who is actually very good in it really good he is because he's he's obviously really bright and Mm. he but he shows that kind of level of he's that level of inexperience and hesitancy particularly and i know what it's like in these firms because the (laughs) to get to get having worked in a big bank to get to senior levels particularly during that period maybe less so now but particularly then you did have to be a kind of you know massive steak eating rare steak eating (laughs) big kind of swinging dick around the office and Mm -hmm. it was all about bravado a bit like paul bettany's character yeah yeah absolutely absolutely and then you had the old school characters which i think kevin spacey does really well you know Mm. a kind of slightly more gentlemanly type which is ironic given kevin Mm. spacey's experience post Mm. and are we allowed to watch are we even allowed to watch this because Kevin Spacey's in it? <laughs> yeah, it's watching? now become illegal. No, I think uh, yeah, it was actually really weird because when I was watching it, I just completely, I didn't even think about that part of, I, I just watched it. And I, and I always have always thought he's absolutely brilliant actor. And I'd forgotten how good he was in this. I mean, he, he in a way, he's the only character in the film who's got a, a, an arc Whereas the others, even though the others, I mean, Zachary Quinto's is, you know, his, his, the dawning when he starts to realize what's happening, you know, his, he's, he's the moral center, I would say, probably in this film. But Kevin Spacey's most definitely got, uh, he's a different person at the end to, we, to what he is at the beginning. Whereas the others are kind of 
a little bit more stock characters. Um, Paul Bettany, particularly, he's you know he's just all out for himself. And I should imagine Paul Bettany probably went to school with a lot of people who ended up on trading desks in New York. <laughs> yeah, likely. <laughs> Again, it's it's one of our well, one of my favorite forms of filmmaking is a very a, an amazing ensemble of actors. It's kind of like a, I mean, you could almost put it into a theater, a little bit like a play. In fact, it'll probably make a very good play. You know, it's one office primarily, you know, a couple of board rooms. But it's, it's, I, you know what I was really surprised with? And you can, you can clarify this having worked in that environment. When they have a meeting at two o'clock in the morning where there is literally no one there but themselves, no one ever loosens their ties. Is there I a reason in for that? that? Period, they, yeah, I, I, I believe that, absolutely. And in fact, uh, one actor we've not mentioned who I think is so convincing, and he mm-hmm. almost, I almost feel like he walked off a trading floor, mm-hmm. uh, and he's senior. He plays Simon Baker, the Australian actor. Who's his oh, sort of, yeah, I mean, he's amazing. He plays this sort of very slick, blonde, handsome devil. And he's, funnily enough, the guy who Spacey sets up in L.A. Confidential. He's he was a young actor when he when they did L.A. Confidential. And he's the guy and he ends up dead in the hotel room that Spacey finds. <laughs> and I remember watching Margin Call going, oh, that's interesting. I wonder if Spacey got him in to this film. Maybe. I don't know. You see, little gems like that. That's why you're on this podcast. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, that's and, great. A, and, and a great, great performance from an Australian. I mean, he's, you know, his American accent's flawless. Um, well, he, but the reason, you know, there's a scene, and I was just watching this before I came on the call, where he's shaving mm-hmm. because it's sort of five in the morning. And basically, the firm has discovered that their positions are going to bankrupt the firm unless mm-hmm. they um, they sell all their, all their short positions. Mm-hmm. And so they have to come to this because they only discover it late at night. So that means all the seniors are coming in throughout yeah. the night. And that's realistic. I remember mm-hmm. we had a technology screw up and we had to come in overnight. And that was that was because you had you had to keep the show going. And if that meant no sleep, yeah. Yeah. no sleep. <laughs> and and I think the bankers would absolutely keep their ties buttoned mm. up. And See that wouldn't that wouldn't stand in the world of filmmaking. No, they go no, no, no. You you, you can't just ask them to come in, in the middle of the night, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean that scene where he's shaving, I think shows just how mm. important appearance is. You know, he doesn't want to appear the next morning unshaven. Yeah, that's well, that's that's respectable in a way. Yes, but it's I think part partly it's it's almost like armor, like a superhero mm-hmm. has a cape and they have to have a nice you know have the suit and the fresh shirt Mm. and everything and and i i think he is so good at portraying that kind of even just air of superiority he has he's a pretty dislikable character because and Mm. i actually mentioned moral center i don't think anyone has a moral center in this film and that's the Mm. worrying thing like the junior who discovers the problem will do as he's told well i suppose you could argue well no i was going to say that you could argue stanley tucci but i mean he does disappear quite quickly and he is ultimately one of them and he's like i don't care i don't work there anymore in fact it's a shame he's not in it more because i adore stanley tucci i he's i don't think he's ever been unconvincing in anything he's ever done it makes me why isn't he in everything I don't see this is one of the you know, he's one of those actors where you do go, why is he, he should be in everything? <laughs> but of course, he can't be. You know, there's not a lot of those 
around where he's one of those actors I always think, you know, it's like a handful of actors who, no matter how good someone is, sometimes the very best that we, you know, we think the very best, they still somehow feel like they're, they're saying lines, they're acting, but they're, you know, they're amazing, they're convincing. But someone like Stanley Tucci is, his performances, it's as if he's never said those lines before. He's saying them for the very first time. He's that real. It's like I, he is the person. Yes. Like in Spotlight, he is that lawyer. He's a lawyer. He's not an actor. It's that convincing. And in and in conspiracy, he is mm-hmm. Adolf Eichmann. Yes, yes, exactly. In you know, well, I mean, literally everything he does, he's in a really. We've got good, a, really we've got a shout out for Big Night. I mean, Big Night, which Big was, Night. Oh yeah, which he directed. Why hasn't he directed any more after that? I don't know. Maybe it's a subject funding. matter or funding. But he's yeah, because he's not like. I mean, Big Night was kind of very niche. Um, with an amazing performance by Ian Holm playing an Italian. And, and Tony Shalhoub. And yeah, I don't know. I just think he's he's um, he's so good. I hope he is in everything. Well, he so it kind of tops and tails the film because he appears at the beginning and then he appears at the end. Yeah, yeah, true. I, you kind of miss him when he's when he's gone. You do. But then, so Kevin Spacey's character, he tries to explain to the Jeremy Irons who's the CEO, that if we sell all our dodgy assets to other firms, we're going to make the problem even bigger. And that problem, and I think this this really does show why the problem was worse than it maybe could have been, because each firm acted so selfishly, which do read the book, if anyone does read the book, Too Big to Fail, it's, it's the sheer selfishness of each firm refuses to help out the other. And they have to be strong-armed yeah. by the U.S. government. Mm-hmm. And even then, they refuse to apply any kind of limits on, on compensation, i.e. Bank, bankers' bonuses. The idea mm-hmm. that, that bankers' bonuses can be limited in any way was, was shut down by mm. uh, it, it, during the whole financial crisis. Yeah. It's, it's stuff like that that really does. And we're seeing this happen again. We've just seen two banks fold. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's kind and, of an app that we're doing. I mean, you decided to do this before, unless you... Well, you, I was Chris, looking at the markets and Bale, I could yeah, see where and... things were going, you see. <laughs> I would love to have that kind of financial insight, but no, sadly. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but I think, you know, in Switzerland, they've done. They've just done the same thing. They've bailed out, the, the Swiss government has bailed out Credit Suisse. Yes. Now, if yeah, I were I a Swiss it. taxpayer, I'd be fuming. What was because... it? Something like, um, how much was it... Um... 45 billion, I think. Billion, yeah. Now, if my if aspects of history folds, <laughs> I'm not expecting, you know, Rishi hmm. Sunak to um to prop me up. And why should a bank get it? I I, I think it's um not Yeah, well, you know, in, in when films plummet or or even don't get finished, you know, it's, it tends to it was everyone packs their bags and go home. Um and, uh, the other thing it exposes about the bankers, which is very realistic, is they're completely relaxed about talking about their, their pay, their money. And Paul Bettany mm. does this on the top of the building. The two yeah, young guys are very angry about scene, actually. I'm not surprised. So he's earning two million and he explains <laughs> to them why he has no money. <laughs> and what he's what he spends it on. Yeah. And you know, he said at least he he does 
pay tax. That's one oh, well, crumb of comfort. No, yeah, absolutely. Here's a clip. Will, did you really make two and a half million last year? Uh, sure. How did you spend it all? That was quite quickly. You know, you learn to spend what's in your pocket. Two and a half million goes quickly. All right, let's see. So the tax man takes half up front, so you're left with one and a quarter. My mortgage takes another 300 grand. I sent 150 home for my parents, you know, keep them going. So what's that? 800. All right, 800. Spent 150 on a car, about 75 on restaurants, probably 50 on clothes. I put 400 away for a rainy day. That's smart. Yeah, as it turns out, because it looks like the storm's coming. Still got 125. Yeah, well, I did spend $76,520 on hookers, booze, and dances. But mainly hookers. Seventy-six-five. <laughs> I was a little shocked initially, but then I realized I could claim most of it back as entertainment. It's true. But, you know, at the end of that scene, you're like, well, you know, if it if you all go under, um, <laughs> I haven't, that, haven't got that much sympathy for you. Well, indeed. And that's what happens, you know, when you prop up Credit Suisse's of this world, that means traders on that floor will carry on earning those not doing a very good job. Mind you, saying that, Paul Bettany, we should talk about Paul Bettany because he is extremely convincing. Yes. At playing that rather dislikable, which, I, I, you know, he's, he's got a faith. He does. I, I, I think he's a really good actor. So if he's mm. listening, which he isn't, but if he is, <laughs> I do like him, but he has a bit of a dislikable face to me he's well the thing is is he's got that kind of aura there's yeah. something about him La lacking in sort of sympathy or empathy or, yeah and and he's very convincing so is that paul bettany spilling over i don't know i'm not saying <laughs> it is but he's done it he has done it before he does it in a very quiet it's very very subdued and a little bit insidious in a great film by Lars von Trier called Dogville, where he comes across and presents himself as a, as a completely understanding, loving, he, he really cares about Nicole Kidman's character, but there's something underneath that you're like, oh, you're, you're, you're not really particularly benevolent, actually. You're just like the rest of them in that film. That was really good. James Caan in that as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. He's, he's, um, He's just very good at it. Yeah. So, right. Well, we've, we've rattled off a whole load of names there. Mm. And I think a shout out to Demi Moore because she plays a character. Mm. I hadn't seen Demi Moore in, in much recently. Um, and this No, she was, in, she was in a television series called A Girl Who Was... Well, the actresses, Laura Peake, was in my short film, was in this and, in fact, was killed by Demi Moore. And it was called... Brave New World. Did she but, did she say that Demi Moore was nice? Yes, she did. Oh, that's nice. I've always liked Demi Moore. Yeah, Demi's great. And uh, we didn't see enough of it. I don't, I don't know whether she's working well, as she much plays, as she uses. She plays the scapegoat in this film mm. where she's a sort of sacrificial lamb. They have to fire someone senior to show that they are dealing with the problem. Mm. Of course, it's none of the men. None of the men fire, get fired. No, of course. And this asked. is isn't she she's by jeremy irons who is also brilliant in the film yeah he's 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 perfectly cast yeah as that as an absolute see you next tuesday
Yeah, and this, it, that see you next Tuesday is particularly prevalent. I don't know what it's the way he's eating that at the steak. End, at the the last end. that steak when when he says to Ken Spacey, "You don't mind if I eat, do you?" And it's like <sighs> with his glass of wine and the most amazing view possible. And he's, um, I think he's doing crossword. Yeah, and it's this co- kind of complete... but the whole bank is falling apart, and he's yeah, and it's just crossword. this complete <laughs> exactly this complete disregard you know it's 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 almost like someone's i don't know left something in the toilet well dick fold who i think the character is based on i think walked away from the crash Mm -hmm. with about 50 million but demi moore's character who Mm. is the sacrificial lamb that's actually based on someone from lehman brothers called really erin callan she was the CFO of the firm and they had very bad quarterly results in 2008, first or second quarter or something. And they fired her. Right. And they, they promoted her quickly and then they fired her. And it was, a, I think even at the time, people were surprised that they had, they had blamed all their, all Lehman Brothers problems on, on this mm. one woman. And again, this happens. The film does this quite well. Yeah. You feel quite sorry for her in that scene. It's, it's, Jeremy Irons, when he says, I would appreciate it if you don't fight me on this one. And it's like, oh my God, are you being serious? Well, so so we've got loads of really good performances. It's really difficult to pick. That's best. a very difficult one. I, I mean, it is difficult because they're all perfect in their casting. And I mean, the one, uh, I don't know, you go first. Well, I'm being in a purely selfish reasons, just mm. from memory and seeing mm-hmm. these people walk mm-hmm. around. I think Simon Baker. I think I agree. I agree because he's one of those where you're like, he is that guy. You know, it's not an actor performing it. It's he's they've hired some banker. (laughs) Yeah. I just know that he's been in other stuff. But, you know, he's got a career in finance uh, Mm. waiting for him if the acting doesn't work out. Well, perfect. Then. okay, And then most unlikely scene. Now, I'd quite like your view on. on Mm. Well, definitely not the one where Paul Bettany tells everyone what he spends his money on. Unlikely scene. That's a really good question. Because I it's think diffi- it's difficult because I, it's... I worked in technology. So I think it's the use of a USB key. <laughs> OK, because they've locked all the computers down in, in, in a lot of these firms. So you can't right. you can't your bloody USB stick won't work. Yeah. You have to get a, a request raised that has to be approved. OK, and... that's very specific. Yes. And your listeners and basically any audience member, unless they work in IT, will probably not know that. Unlikely scene. It's very difficult because... In the board, some of the dialogue, where Jeremy Irons says, explain to me like yes. I'm... I was literally about to say, it's that, that's, a, that's, a devi- that's a film device. Of course. Some yeah. of the financial... <laughs> yeah. but, but I think actually, you know, if anything, if the big short's not taught us anything it's it's that a lot of the ceos didn't have a handle on on the complicated mm. things happen so, so maybe, maybe that's it's not the most that realistic scene in the film at me the only thing i'm gonna have to say then is the trading floor is too small okay see i wouldn't know that either it's it's just too small i think you know the lehman brothers trading floor in um london was vast so i should imagine the one in new york was bigger than it seemed to be in the film but is that did he go to Stanley Tucci's character in the middle of the night or whatever? Or, you know, I know they were tra- trying to track him down and everything. And then they sat on his stoop. Yeah, they cancelled his phone, didn't they? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, God. And then they're like, oh, please come back. 
I guess for me, who doesn't really know much about. Well, maybe the redundancies were a little bit too brutal. I'm not sure. Maybe you would see. Like, okay, it's just, it's the, mm-hmm. I, it's it, <laughs> it's it does speak difficult. to how realistic the film is because mm. we're struggling to. I'm struggling to see a scene that was. I mean, I would probably just out of out of you know everything. The fact that it came to mind was probably the boardroom meeting where yeah, when okay. you know, Jeremy. Ryan I said don't think that, you'd have but... those two juniors in there. Actually, you wouldn't have them in there. Oh, really? No, you'd and have. Then... But I think you know Paul, Paul Bettany as their boss would be the one to explain. Yeah. So okay. the the scene is the basically yeah the the boardroom scene with the two the two young well <laughs> one of whom doesn't say a word quite no. wisely okay now legacy now this is interesting because I think this film is so good I was talking to a mutual mm-hmm. friend of ours this afternoon who said he'd watched it five times and he has no interest in financial um, right. financial world but the thing is you don't you don't need to it because the stakes are so high it doesn't matter what they're talking about they could be talking about baking powder. And you may just have no interest in any form of cooking or anything, but the fact that the stakes are so high, you're like, oh my, I'm this, I'm on the edge of my, what's what's going on? Yeah, what's going to happen? So I think it's that it's got that ingredient that makes it so good. I would like this to have more of a legacy than The Big Short because I just lo- I really like Margin Call. I think it's great, but I don't know if it does. I think it should have. I think it's so. It, it just sums up mm. what these firms were up to. But I think it was a bit of a sleeper. It, okay, the budget was three and a half million dollars mm. <laughs> compared to the big shorts. So obviously the million. actors all took a bit of a pay cut. Well, they must have done because, I mean, it was probably, you know, JC Chan's first film. I think it was uh, executive produced by uh, Cassian Elwis, who does neat, kind of sometimes niche films. Not always, but and you know, there's something about it kind of suggests that this was giving the director his the chance. I reckon that all the actors probably read the script and went, "This is, I mean, this has got chops. I can get my teeth around this one." Yeah, I'll take a pay cut. So they probably didn't get their their. Well, they didn't. It's blatantly obvious by the budget <laughs> because the amount of names in it is quite is it's a bit of a surprise. Spacey. Stanley Tucci, Jeremy Irons, Demi Moore, Mary McDonnell, right at the end. Of course, it made um, it made twenty million, so that's mm-hmm. a good return oh, financially yeah. speaking. <laughs> it made more a, money than the financial than, crash. Exactly, I was about to say. Uh, what an irony! So, um, but I think a lot of people haven't seen it, and it's got so the budget of three million. You know, the the marketing. Well, the budget wasn't there for for something like the Big Shorts, fifty million. Which is, is, I mean, the, because the names in it are, would sell a film very well. It's got a rating of 7.1 on IMDb, and the, the Big Short has 7.8, and which I don't agree with that rating, but it's the people, so I suppose we have to go with it. And I would say that mm. legacy-wise, it's probably like Lincoln, really, really <laughs> um, important film that got ignored. Yeah. But the thing is, is that uh, it's thrilling, you know, it, it it's also almost a, I suppose, not a suspense thriller because that's just that's a bit exaggerating, but it's got tension, quite quite a bit of tension on that the Big Short doesn't have because the Big Short is a bit more of a kaleidoscope of, you know, these people, these people, these people, this kind of what happened. Oh, a bit of humor and talking to the camera. Whereas Margin Call is it's got that incident where it's like, oh my god, what what's the matter? Get everybody in here right now. 
you know and the other thing of, the audience knows what happens to everyone basically they all lose their jobs because mm. the firm goes bust but it's so in a way there's a slight happy ending it, it yeah but it's the but it's the journey you know it's the it's the thrill of the of the journey that's i think is what makes it really and I, and i would rate it highly i'd like the legacy to well endure, you don't get I'd... on the aspects of history film club without being rated highly <laughs> that's true so well <laughs> exactly i'm sure all the filmmakers would be delighted to hear you say that great well tim <laughs> that's been fantastic thank you very much absolutely my pleasure to be here i love love every minute well f- thinking about next time i'm thinking perhaps bloody sunday yes we we've talked about this in the past which, and it's, uh, yeah yes very different films so we'll see but we've got a bit of a break now Mm. but thank you tim very welcome thank you so much for having me thanks so much for listening and since it's may we'll be covering christopher nolan's dunkirk but if you have any suggestions for future episodes please do get in touch with me you can either email me or get me on twitter i've put links in the show notes in the meantime thank you and good night